are listening to the Unlabel Effect. We gather here on the first day of each month to explore all things mental health. Let us be part of your support system to inspire and motivate you to take care of your well-being. We, Vivian, Rita, and myself, Melody, welcome you to our UE community. We have an empowering woman here with us today, Palka Aurora Chopra. Palka wears multiple hats with an aspiration to make financial education and services accessible to all. She founded her dream project, Mindful Money Tribe, in Hong Kong in 2022, where she works as a certified money coach and helps her clients to become more financial literate. She believes in the transformational power of good money habits. As a philanthropist, she aims to contribute to the welfare of women and children who are economically underprivileged. On top of all these remarkable achievements, Palka is also a happy married wife and a mother of two, and holds a fundamental interest in spirituality and wellness. We are so excited to discover more about Palka's career and her wellness journey. Let's dive right into it. I'm your host Vivian, and with me here today are Palka and Rita. Welcome, ladies. Hey, I'm Vivian. Hi, Rita. Hello. Me. Thank you for sparing the next one to two hours with us on the unlabeling effect. Being a busy mom, I know it's not easy, but I'm looking forward to this discussion. Such an important topic. Best way to spend the weekend. Palka and I met at a speed dating event. <laughs> Oh, it's a quick name. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a speed dating networking event. So it's hosted by one of my favorite women organization in Hong Kong, uh, Women of Hong Kong. So basically, that networking event is full of tables of four, and we only have like 15 minutes to get to know the table, and then we need to rotate. I met Palka in the first round, um, so it was very brief. But then when I heard about financial literacy. Speaking from my own personal experience, I also went through a pretty difficult process to get to where I am now. So I'm like, this is so cool what you're doing, and I need to spread your message to the podcast, the UE audience. So here we are, and Polka, I'm so excited to learn more about your story. Basically, absolutely, Vivian. I still remember it was so awesome to meet you that day at that networking event. It was a couple of months back, I remember, and I'm so yes. amazed by what you girls are trying to do on this podcast. You know, mindfulness and all its shades. It is so important to be spoken about. Yeah. So let's start um, your story. I know you have work experience in the finance industry, in both in India and Hong Kong. How did Hong Kong attract you to come here and build your life here? So I was a trailing spouse. I'll be very honest. You know, many people are drawn to finance industry for a variety of reasons, and I had my reasons too. You know, I always had that interest in money and numbers. I was not a great math student. To be honest, but I loved accounting. I love economics, so I like reading about companies and how to analyze the data. So I started my career as a research analyst. Mm. Then there was a desire to help others with their finances.、Uh, so this sector offers a lot of opportunities to help individuals, to help businesses manage their money,、uh, make good financial decisions, get financially literate. The basics、mm. of money and finance remain same wherever you're working. 
working. It's just that mm. you need the understanding of global economics and investments and international affairs. So the transition from India to Hong Kong wasn't that difficult. But yes, my mm-hmm. husband is also a banker. So I was a trailing spouse. He moved to Hong Kong and I was taking a sabbatical and having my children. They were very young at that point. And I've been in Hong Kong for 10 years now. You said you're not a good math student, but what about accounting that you like? It's a pre-notion uh, with a lot of people that you have to be really good at math to be really yeah. good with your finances, right? That's not true. I mean, finance is a very, very basic subject. You have to have those small little financial pillars in place to maximize what you're earning at the moment. It's not only about the numbers for a company to succeed. It is also about what business they are in. What are the people who are managing that business? What is the problem that they are trying to solve? So all the behavioral angles of how company maneuvers the business environment is what attracted me to finance and not really the numbers to be honest. When did you have the first taste of finance? Very early in my life. I now feel that I was really blessed because I come from a family who has a financial background in a way that my parents always spoke about money at home. It was a very comfortable subject to talk about. I was introduced to savings, to piggy banks, at a very early stage in life. So that's that's the very base of it, right? Uh, just putting in those good money habits at an early stage, you then start developing better and better values and better habits. I've seen my parents save, invest, reinvent, reinvest at a very early stage. So I think that was really, really helpful. That's why I'm building this platform, just to let people know that it's not a very difficult thing and a behavior to develop. That's good that you have an environment that as a breeding ground for you to grow. Whereas in my family, parents would be like, oh, don't bother um, about money when you're a kid. Let the adults do the heavy work lifting, you know? I remember I only learned about the value of money when I asked for a Chanel bag at a really young age. Because as a schoolgirl, you like to compare. And you, when others are wearing (laughs) one, you wanted one. And my mom was like, do you know how much does that cost? And I was like, no, but everyone has it. My mom said, you go out and find a part-time job yourself and earn that money and get it yourself then i started you know just being a waitress and stuff now i know looking at the hourly rate i am not getting myself the handbag so (laughs) that is the first encounter for me to learn about finance or just money value so with my children i also started this habit quite early so i live in an area which is 15 minutes away from disneyland Mm -hmm. both my children wanted the annual pass to Disney, like all the other kids in Hong Kong, right? So first few Mm. times I was the one who bought it for them. But for the next few times, it was like, let's start saving for it. Starts those little steps of building those habits at a very young age. And then it doesn't feel abnormal at a later stage when you're actually working for those larger life goals. Have you observed any trends in Hong Kong that you think not only that people aren't aware, but there are some really big misconceptions about money. And is that the reason why you wanted to start Mindful Money Tribe as well? Finances are not a very spoken subject in most of the households. So where do you get the idea about what to do with your money? 
right we all are told to be financially independent somewhere or the other during our education and being girls and especially for me coming from india i'm not sure how it works out here but then financial independence for females and girls have has become such an important subject back home wherein all the girls are now pushed into education which was not a very basic amenity initially when india was growing but then india is at that stage now wherein all women are pushed towards education and being financially independent but once you have the money coming to you what do you do with it mm. how do you put your money to work for you now mm, palka you mentioned positive money mindsets what are those i i wonder you need to know what the financial foundations should be is is what is required in uh, positive money mindsets too wherein you don't get scared when you're talking about money just be open because at times money is a very taboo subject people don't open up it's a very very personal thing you cannot go and ask anybody what's your salary how's it how much do you earn a month it's it's a very hush hush kind of topic it's just that you have to be open about a subject to learn more about it mm-hmm. uh, there are a lot of notions that are told uh, i feel in all asian societies that money is the root of all evil i don't know if you've heard of that but it's it's a very famous um, thing that is spoken about but it's Very not the money that. that has <laughs> yeah you know money is not bad it's what you do with money at yeah. the end of the day is is what it makes good or bad you have to take money in a positive way for it to work for you and for it to grow for you because my parents is the type of parents that will store their money under the mattress so <laughs> growing up i never knew about investment and i didn't mm. know that i can make money work for me thank god to Instagram. One day there was this clip. It kind of hints like a little bit of like financial freedom and how you can achieve that. And I just started like for months. I couldn't stop watching these kind of videos and I was like I wasted so much time on not setting this up, not acquiring these kind of knowledge just because, you know, in Asian culture not only money is evil. If people show off how comfortable their lifestyle is, people will associate yeah. you as, oh, you're too flashy, like you should be more humble, and there's just a lot of limitations. My focus was just to get a good job, get a salary, and that's it. I quickly set up my brokerage account my investment accounts but at this moment i still feel so lost sometimes because there's only so much information online like no one will really tell you what exactly like you need to do every week or every month to build efficiently so i want to tap into the habits part as well because we just covered the mindset so what are like some examples of good money habits for you palka when you talk about money and your finances and managing them well coming to the practical side of uh, developing disciplined and planned money habits they're just four basic necessities just four points you need to take care of first mm-hmm. is your emergency fund that completely depends on what stage of life you are how many dependents you have on yourself how old you are what are your short and long term goals for a person who's young in their 20s and just has just started a job 3 months of salary should be enough for a person who has dependents for example children their education coming up then probably 6 to 9 months of salary can be good enough as an emergency funds so these are some examples second would be budgeting budgeting as in you need to understand 
just a small step what are your weekly expenses based on that you can calculate one month or three months of your budget once you have that you know first three months it'll be difficult to fill out all the bills take how much you're spending on food outside eating your internet subscriptions your netflix etc you know your shopping all of that so it's just a work of three months once that excel sheet or g sheet is ready you're done for say a year or so third is sitting and jotting down what your short term and your long term goals are financially and also in life that's what i teach as a money coach your life goals and your financial goals should not be segregated they have to be together yeah. if mm-hmm. your life goal is to save the world your goal is to save this much or invest this much amount so that you get to travel the way you want they have to go hand in hand and the fourth again is investing for those short and long term goals if your short term goal is a summer holiday in say japan so you're you're building up to that for 6 months and then your long term goal can be a child's education or your retirement fund or taking care of your mom so you have 5 years to develop that fund and you can just invest that in stocks or etf you can reap benefits over time so just mm-hmm. these four basic financial things um and coming back and reassessing your portfolio these are just the part of your good money habits and that's it i mean once you gr- group them and you know that they are four in number that's not very difficult to do. Okay. So I need to dissect each step that you just mentioned. So first of all, financial goals. I do think that a lot of people don't really think about what kind of life they want. They just, you know, like this weekend I'm going to go to Thailand for example or next weekend I'm going out party with my girls and they don't really think, oh, in 10 years or in 5 years I want to have a family for example, I want to get a house, I want to move to Malibu or whatnot. Mm-hmm. From a more spiritual wellness kind of approach, how did you figure out your goal and how do you kind of work backwards to the financial goal like any human being i've learned from many money mistakes internet shopping was one of my emotional binges uh yeah. just filling up those zara cards yeah. all the time <laughs> scientific research will show you that emotional shopping is ranked only second to binge eating when you are in that emotional phase of life mm. and you're not able to manage your emotions research proves that binge shopping gives you that adrenaline for probably a couple of hours and it does it's a fact oh. but how to manage that where to draw the line you know you need to go inwards to figure that out where is that emotional baggage coming from when i moved to hong kong i think that was the longest struggle i had because i had just had my first baby it was such a big move there was no family here no friends here i was going through postpartum myself and i at that moment it was like 13 14 years ago i didn't even know what postpartum was mm. my only help was to go out and shop i have bought so many luxury handbags in the year 2012 and 13 that i can't even count but mm-hmm. i had to draw a line because it was such a big emotional change for me i stopped working i changed countries i just had a baby i was in in a place which was completely unknown to me mm-hmm. so yes mm-hmm. i had to go inside figure a lot of things out draw the line and then sit and jot those things down what was important to me that instant gratification a stable financial 
financial life going forward for me, for my family and for my children. My husband now shops more than I do. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. He laughs at me how we've changed roles. Handbags for you shop. or his own stuff? <laughs> <laughs> his own stuff. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so you're saying like the emotion is the first step of people looking into what kind of life they want to build, right? Because so, sometimes we get so overwhelmed, we sacrifice money to fill that void sometimes, whether it's excessive drinking, partying, you know, going out or excessive traveling even. Sometimes I do think that people do travel without the right intention. Okay, that's the first step. And then the second step is to track your spending, right? I'm sure I'm not alone, but I try to track my spending so many times but I always miss you know a couple days and then I just couldn't get back to it I have so many like half completed excel sheets what's the momentum to help motivate people to keep doing that consistently you think yeah I'm absolutely with you Vivian <laughs> so uh <laughs> I know that's what I said, right? It's not easy to talk about money. You don't want to tell yourself off, oh, why did you spend on that Zara dress that you didn't need? But keeping that big goal um, on the lookout will help you come back to that Excel sheet. I have to have mm -hmm. that retirement corpus or I have to have that retirement corpus even for my mom. That has mm -hmm. to be the bigger goal. And you're spending, mm -hmm. you're budgeting right now, coming back to that Excel sheet is for that. Not to tell you off about the small little purchases that you do. A pat on your back for doing good sometimes is needed. Sometimes you need that extra drink because you achieved something. It's good to celebrate yourself. But mm -hmm. the larger goal has to be at the back of your mind that's why money affirmations work wonders being feeling abundance of money around you i have money i attract money for myself it is so important in your meditation practice in your spiritual practice in your morning routine so i do work with a lot of clients uh, who come with the same basic question to me i cannot stick to it Mm -hmm. So it's not even budgeting. A lot of people will plan a portfolio with a financial planner. They will be at it for six months, but then it's lost because I can't mm -hmm. come back to it. That's where behavior comes in. Why you don't come back to your spending sheet is also a part of the behavior, which you have to sit and dissect. If you step back and take that lens away and just look at that big picture that you're working day and day out for bringing that money in. How can you not just put in 15 minutes a month to mm. develop that sheet for you? Doesn't take more than that. How do you track your, your everyday expenses then? Like if it's just 15 minutes as a monthly lump sum? When you're doing it for the first time, you have to make it for three months, right? The first month would be the most difficult, wherein you're trying to figure out what the heads are. But then there are a lot of templates that are available uh, online to figure out your budget and just give you the idea what are the basic big heads. And also, you don't have to track each and every teeny tiny expense. Even mm. if you're 80% or 75% there in your overall budget, you would know what the average of those first three months would be. And then post that. Palka, you mentioned sometimes you just need to treat yourself to that drink, right? <laughs> there is a tug of war or battle in my head that, you know, some people would just accuse that it's the everyday's um, expensive coffee that you get that makes you poor. It is that subscription that you don't like that makes you poor. I don't know how to actually choose from being tight to save up or to kind of sometimes succumb to my 
self-indulgence, I don't know, or entertainment or, you know, to treat myself. Yeah. Your avocado toast. Yeah. And I just, <laughs> I just love a barrister made coffee in the morning and that costs yeah. quite a lot. And to give you a bit of context, I'm still a student and I live mm -hmm. off um, scholarship. So sometimes I feel like I put my life plan to a pause because there's like not much of an income and that I I was being harsher to myself at some point, but then I could see I relapsed. I would then spend quite a lot to treat myself because I went through such a tough time myself. So how do I actually navigate this? My first question to you, Rita, what life stage are you in? What's the income? What are the savings? What's, what's the life goal? I mean, it's okay to indulge. Nobody can stop you. But then you also have to see the big picture of it. Getting a $40 coffee, I'm talking about Hong Kong dollars, is not going to make you poor. That's for sure. A lot of people and a lot of financial influencers on Instagram will talk about this. Mm. But you really have to go inside and in that depth of that financial influencer's knowledge too. He's an influencer. He or she is not a money coach or a financial planner or an investment guru or an advisor, right? They are just taking those basic information, half read, half juggled up and throwing it out on Instagram. People are just getting worried. Oh, I'm going to get poor with a cup of coffee every day. No, but you also have to then sit out and do that budget of your day-to-day -day spending for those one to three months so that you know that if my goal is to say go for that holiday in one month, one year down the line, will these $40 help adding to that or no? Or is there a bigger chunk say of my rent, of my... 10 subscriptions that I can bring back to five or not go and see that art and theater that I wanted to so badly because I'm saving for that Japan trip. The importance of financial literacy comes in. Yeah. You need to know your budget because I cannot make your budget for you. I can give you the tools mm. to do it, to stick to it. But at the end of the day, you're working hard for that money to come in. You mm. have to work a little bit hard get that money running and doing what it needs to do for you. I also have that same worry, you know, like sometimes I look at my coffee expenses, but then I would also think like if I can spend one to two hours in a coffee shop, enjoy my book with just $40, that's totally worth it because it's an experience. It's just not, it's, it's not just a cup of coffee, right? When I avoid punching in those Excel sheets, one of the reason I know it's because I get so much shame if I spend more than I wanted to. For example, if I only allocated 5k for outside dinners and drinks in that month, maybe there are some birthday celebrations, maybe Mother's mm. Day's tomorrow, you know, and then you bought like flowers, bouquets, you want a, ni a nice bottle of wine. And then all of a sudden it just go boom and you i <laughs> and i would associate that shame and guilt when i need to go to punch in the excel sheet again so it's more it's like me procrastinating and avoiding my own reality somehow yeah you're absolutely right i think the most common behavior pattern for money is guilt and shame because mm. society has figured that out for us and put that in your mind that if you're spending too much you have to be guilty oh why are you spending so much why are you not saving but then it has to be a very holistic thing that's your internal mm. pattern you have to work on it it is not a one-step project it's a four-step project so all those four things that i listed out go hand in hand 
the first step any which ways is to take care of what those patterns are which you know are guilt and shame but then where are they coming from money patterns i think 80% of them we do get from our parents because that's the first point of contact and how money is managed is what we see when our parents are doing it so going back figuring things out checking out what money personalities we have um there's a quiz on my website which you can go and take which will tell you what money personality you have uh, it's a very interesting mm-hmm. one and it it will figure out list out a lot of patterns a lot of personality characters that you might uh, have imbibed in that's what is curtailing you to grow financially speaking of investment how do we start yeah i honestly have never engaged in that space at all and i wanted to know more and i tried to learn but then it was quite intimidating i would say it's just so many jargons i started investing in mutual funds which are called unit trusts in hong kong so it's mm-hmm. it's like a big portfolio which is managed by a portfolio manager wherein you're just putting the money in that uh, unit trust and it is then going ahead and investing in a few companies for you so you are not in the research angle at all you just have to figure out you want to invest in large companies you can go and invest in that kind of unit trust if you are a little more uh, into risk taking you can go and um, invest in medium size companies or small size companies de- depending on your risk level i never recommend um, my clients to get into any risky assets at at a first stage because once you burn your hands you get even more scared coming back to that asset class Uh, also it's very important to take care of your insurance needs you know a term plan is amazing um a health insurance is very very important once you start feeling safe uh, in your financial periphery i think then the next step of investments comes into place but financial literacy is a skill that can be developed with time and effort it's a gradual process it's it cannot be done overnight that's for sure mistakes are inevitable if you don't make mistakes you're not mm. getting ahead at all so don't get discouraged mm. uh, you have to acknowledge the importance of learning here too like when there is a mistake as you said or when the market is going down like what's been happening the past few months with that abundance mindset how do you how do you keep having that in the back of your head and relax when you literally can see the chart going down and your money going down and how do you detach from those emotions because most most of the worries are coming from instant gratification like a lot of people think that investment oh if i get get crypto i get 20x next week and that's why they make mistakes and they kind of go into that rabbit hole right so how how do you kind of detach from that crazy world and just stay with that four foundations you think anything that is promising you a 20x return is a very very risky asset you need to know that which means okay. if it's going to bring you 20x it might take away 20x too which has happened right So mm-hmm. higher the risk higher the reward lower the li- risk lower the reward so when you're starting mm-hmm. up it's always mindful and it's always an intelligent call to get into something which is a lesser riskier asset but risk in life is very different from risking money a person would love to skydive 
but he might not be happy losing 10% of the net worth would be very difficult for him or her and also very common thing that occurs in financial investments is the herd mentality mm. what that means is oh my friend is doing that i should try it out Mm. right it attracts you it pulls you but that's not how it has to work again what works for rita might not work for vivian speaking of portfolio right there's so much information out there that even if you just focused on etfs and there's so many gurus uh will tell you like you need a balance portfolio where somewhat percentage is in commodity somewhat percentage is in technology real estate is there um a credible source that you recommend people to go to get information or it's really about like finding your own balance i would recommend finding your own balance um okay. because no credible source can also predict the market for you 100%. Of course, a diversified portfolio is the need of the hour. You need to diversify. You cannot put all your eggs in the basket. That's again a financial jargon that a lot of people use, which means you have to have different asset classes and exposure to them, right? One of my clients uh, works for a ESG company, right? So she has worked in that environment and it has been the flavor for a long time. So I told her that you can get into an etf of esg companies you understand those companies that's your forte i might not understand those companies better than you being being from the financial background right i might not be able to understand those companies as good as you can so try and figure out a forte of yours so try mm-hmm. to invest in things that you can understand it's as simple as that Yeah, I want to ask a follow-up questions on your definition of understanding the business because when I look at for example S&P 500, yeah. People would say like, "Oh, you need to look at their financial reports. You need to look at their PE ratio." And mm. from a person that's from social science and like like I'm like, "Ah, I can't understand those terms." So, is there another workaround towards that, you know, understanding the business? understanding finances is important if you're just talking mm-hmm. about one company and you want to invest in it yes uh, business idea is good business future is good how the company's leadership is you know that these are the behavioral mm-hmm. and the non financial angles but yes you need to also understand how the company is performing how much debt they have of course what the pe ratio is you know all the <laughs> functional financial ratios come in but then for people who are just starting out i the first thing i mentioned was don't get into stocks get into etfs okay. or get into unit trusts or invest in index funds which is the best s&p 500 yeah. it it yeah. has outdone so many companies Mm. I mean if you had just invested in it your money would have grown at least it's doing something for you rather than just sitting in your bank account I want to ask a question for Gen Zs and <laughs> or Gen Alpha whatever you call it um financial freedom is a trendy word if I'm 18 years old now and I want to retire at the age of 30 or 35 yeah. I hear that a lot and so what's your view on this upcoming trend kind of or like how do you see it there are no shortcuts to creating wealth i'm sure heard about a lot of banks failing back in the us 
um, it's a cycle, right? Any economy, any financial bubble has a cycle. There was a startup mm-hmm. cycle that was going on. I think it's it's really about being so in tune with what you want and work on your patience in getting that. I find myself guilty as well is that I want to find shortcuts. When it doesn't work, it it burns me out and then and that excel sheet like the it just goes lower and lower in my Google Drive and I never like take it out again. What you mentioned today about mindsets and habits and how we can start small, like no matter what age you are, is really, really helpful. And I think before we wrap up, I want to ask one more question is that since our channel is called Unlabeling Effect, what kind of label do you think we need to unlabel the most? That would be everything has to be done now. You know, there's a Mm -hmm. rush to achieve these days. I want to unlabel that. People forget that failures teach you more than success, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I'm in that phase of life where I'm relearning the value of patience. It is so important to slow down, to reflect, right? To unlearn a bit, to start learning again. I love that. You provided another angle to me. Like, actually, my goal is not to build wealth even. It's to build a sense of safety for myself. That was really inspiring for me. If like people want to approach you and to get your advice, how can they reach you? So you can go to my website, uh, mindfulmoney5.com. You can book a time slot with me. All my contact details, all my social media handles, all my email IDs, phone numbers, everything is there on the website. We will also include it in our episode uh, description as well. And not to mention, I really admire Palka's Instagram page. Like if you go to her page, you will see a lot of short form content that will inspire you some thoughts about money and how you manage it and it's very clean visually and i think it's it's one of the things where i was like whoa like you really put a lot of effort in maintaining and creating those visuals thank you so much thanks thank you for tuning in and let's continue the conversation on instagram at unlabeling effect please subscribe to our podcast on spotify and itunes and give us a rating until then dare to feel dare to be real Thank you.